Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we discuss powerful truths to counter anxiety and fear, big and small. At Holy Love Ministries, we are passionate about helping God's children discover, embrace, and experience soul-deep emotional and spiritual freedom, and we want to inspire you to share that freedom with others. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn about one of our upcoming events, how to book one of our speakers for your next event, or simply how to connect with us. Jennifer Slattery. And in my 20 plus years of ministry, I have encountered many people who experience what I would term partial life because they were reluctant to allow God to go into the deepest parts of their soul to reveal their hurts and their insecurities and their fears in many ways, because that's what we've been taught. We have learned to numb, to distract ourselves, and often with spiritual platitudes, where we tell ourselves that we're fine, we don't hurt, and that our past hurts don't really impact our reactions today. But according to today's guest, author and speaker Carrie Garcia, that simply is not true. Our stories not only affect our responses today, but they actually can hold the keys to our purpose. Carrie, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad to be here, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Carrie is a pastor. She's a licensed life coach and a CEO, and she inspires change in others by boldly sharing her journey to freedom and by using her training in the area of psychology to help others connect their minds with their bodies for a holistic approach to overall wellness. Carrie is currently working towards her training certificate level three at the Allender Center. We're big fans of Dr. Allender, a program addressing trauma-focused narrative therapy taught by leading Christian psychologist who we've had here on the podcast, Dr. Dan Allender. And so she also, the book that she recently released, which I read and I absolutely absolutely love. It's called Fully Free and Fully Alive, Reclaiming the Story of Who You Were Created to Be. It's a dynamic, practical guide to embracing your past and discovering a deeper connection to yourself, to God, and to others so you can become fully free and fully alive as God intends. In this Holy Spirit-infused book, she helps those who have struggled with past trauma, who struggle to release mistakes from their past, which I think is probably all of us, to find purpose and inspiration and courage to pursue her calling. And she draws on, which I really love, she draws on her personal experience. She uses her coaching training. And really, there's, I really sense, Carrie, as I'm reading, that God was directing you in this book. I sense that there was a deep intimacy in your writing. Would you, is that accurate? Yes, yes. I'm so thankful. I'm so (laughs) thankful I was directed. Is me on my own? Is a hot mess, let me tell you. (laughs) Well, and and like I said, I was particularly excited to have you on when I learned that you had trained under Dr. Allender. So he's a brilliant spirit-led Christian therapist who I greatly admire. And we had him and Kathy Lorzell on our podcast in March of 2022 in an episode titled The Courage to Process Past Traumas. So I encourage you, after listening to Carrie and my discussion today, go back and listen to what he has to say. I think you're going to find the two are going to really work well. 
well together. Mm-hmm. And Carrie, I really loved how you acknowledged all levels of hurt and pain. And so you wrote, I'm going to quote, you experienced harm. So you're speaking to the reader. You experienced harm and assault the moment you showed the free and fully alive self you were created to be. That's a powerful statement. And so I want, I'm curious, why is it so important for us to realize that and to not minimize our painful experiences? Right. Well, I mean, the truth is, is that we bear as image bearers, for those that are listening, you are an image bearer of God. And when you bear the image of God, you bear just ultimate goodness. And that goodness, if that goodness grows up, (laughs) it's going to rattle hell. It just will, because goodness exposes darkness, right? It exposes evil, exposes the yuckiness of the world. Goodness cannot, uh, or shame cannot withstand the power of glory and goodness. And so it's so important for us to know and to look at our lives and realize, like really cognitively realize, okay, if this is how I was made and how I was born, I was born for goodness, then then surely there has been stories and you know it intuitively, stories and people and situations that have tried to silence, snuff out and eradicate that goodness so that you just live kind of half or a shell of who you were created to be. Yeah. Like a diminished sense of who you are. Because We have been taught to disconnect to kind of, especially in, I think, faith communities. Oh, everything's great. I have faith and everything's going to, God will use everything for good, which is true, but we use it as like a a numbing. So would you say those who anytime they are hesitant to reveal their full self, that that's an indication that, that that self has in some way been assaulted or that there's some hurts they need to work through? Yeah. I mean, I think you have twofold there. You have the spiritual dynamic and then you have like just more of like the psychological dynamic, right? Like, so if I'm going to expose myself to someone and I have stories where I have shared something that's been painful and that was been rejected or bypassed or harmed, then psychologically, neurologically, I'm going to go, well, I don't, I don't want to share that. I'm going to protect myself. And in a way, for many of us, that's been a good thing. We've had, we've had to protect ourselves to stay alive to stay as present as we can be. And then you have kind of this spiritual dynamic of that, of like a narrative voice, if you will, that says, if you show your true self, people will not want to be around you. They won't like you. And so we really do have this battle going on and we're fragile humans. I I mean, let's just be honest, we're fragile. And so parts of us just go, okay, it's better if I minimize, if I put my head in the sand, if I kind of just duck down and and just exist, because if I'm truly myself, then I'm either going to be harmed by the people of this world, or I'm going to, you know, believe these narratives that are in my head that I am not good enough or whatever. And so, yeah, I do think that there's this war that goes on. And I think we all feel it, no matter whether you're a believer or not. I think we all feel this internal war, like there's something more to me. I know that there's something more. And yet we're terrified to really show up as we are because of what is on the receiving end or possibly on the receiving end of that. You know, thinking about that, I'm thinking of your story when you share. So you're a speaker, you're a pastor, you're a writer. So you are using the the gift of words communication and and the I would say of showing up in a public way. Mm-hmm. And 
I was reading in your book, you talked about as a little girl when the sparks of that were first emerging. And I can just imagine like God is like, okay, here you go here. I'm going to start building this within you. And that wasn't there was a, a period where that was a really painful experience for you that could have derailed your calling, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, did. I mean, I, I really was derailed for quite a long time. And those sparks of goodness and, you know, that was pretty young. <laughs> when those sparks of goodness, and I think that all of us can relate to that. We can think back to those times where, gosh, I, I think about my daughter when we were going to the park and she comes out, comes down the stairs and she comes and she's wearing a bikini and cowboy boots. And she's like, all right, let's go to the park. And I'm looking at her like, is that what you're wearing? You know, it's just like, yeah, let's go. And I'm like, all right, let me get my bathing suit. Let's go to the park. You know, there's this, there's this moment where you just know those moments as a kid where where there was sparks and moments of just unadulterated freedom, like just completely, I, this is who I am. I'm ready to go to the park in a bikini and cowboy boots, you know? And there were moments of like that, of life like that for me. But again, like I talk about in the book, and even as we talk right now, when those moments of goodness emerge, they are sniffed out by evil. And evil wants to eradicate any sense of freedom, any sense of that fully alive. I'm not, I don't care what you think. I just am doing life. This is who I am. And there were sparks of that, but definitely was derailed for quite a long time because of the wounds of my own parents. And then just the narrative of the enemy partnering together against that little girl that wanted to dance and sing so freely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I actually serve in children's ministry and I can just watch and see how unexpected, like we don't intend, but how easy it is to diminish what might be a child's natural gifting, but is maybe showing up in a place where it's not effective. Right. And so just to our listeners, I think it can happen in big and small ways, right? When they when 100%. they start to show creativity and maybe a teacher gets annoyed or a parent doesn't respond well. And one thing I really appreciate about your story, so full disclosure, I'm actually in therapy now. So I'm reading your book and I'm like, right. I've been in ministry 20 years and now I'm discovering things I'm like, wow, I'm a, I'm a hot mess. And <laughs> Welcome to the club, man. <laughs> but it was so encouraging to hear you speak as here you had been doing ministry for a long time. And you're speaking about the love and the freedom and the grace of Christ. And there was a bit of a disconnect there. Is that, am I understanding that correct for you? Yeah, I mean, I didn't start really preaching until I had gotten off drugs and I'd been on drugs for almost 10 years of my life. A lot of story there. People don't do drugs just because they want to. They do drugs because they want to numb what's happening around them. They're definitely your, your little drug addict friends. Our sweet little drug addict friends are the blinking light that something is going on wow. in the recesses of their home, the recesses of their heart. Um, but what I knew was I'm going to get off drugs, which is really a, a behavior to modify the pain, right? And I'm going to get off drugs and I know what I'll do because what I witnessed in my home was ministry. So I'm going to do ministry because ministry will be the thing that I will take this testimony of me getting off drugs and I'm going to, I'm going to step in and I'm going to help all these people. And actually there was a true desire there, but I never really dealt with why I did drugs in the first place. So really when you're asking that question, there were a few, several years there where I was doing ministry as a behavior modification 
but not from a place of heart transformation. So I was really stepping into, okay, I'm going to do this and this is going to help me get better. And this is going to help me be free. And it did not. It, it really just became another addiction, to be honest with you. It came, became this thing that I needed to use. Ministry became this thing that I used to be able to not- A new numbing. A new numbing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, really, that's what was happening for many years until it was like, this cannot be the abundant life that God talks about. This, this cannot be it. And my world had fallen apart. I had relapsed. And so there was a lot of stuff that happened. And, and I just really was like, forget it. I don't want to live anymore. Like, if this is the abundant life that God talks about in John 10, 10, we know what the enemy does. He kills, he steals, he destroys. Okay. I know all that life, but I'm looking for the abundant life that God's like, Hey, I got an abundant life for you. And I think I was like, no, you don't. If this is it, I don't yeah. know if I want any part of this. Yeah. I mean, I'm just being honest, you know? Yeah. And that was the reality of going, okay, it just would be better if I wasn't here. Wow. It, this is too painful. My marriage had ended. So my parents' marriage had ended. My mom has committed suicide. Yeah. There's so many painful things in yeah. that story. And I just thought, if this is the abundant life, I don't really want anything to do with it. I'd rather not be here. And it was in that moment that I, I it's like kind of one of my come to Jesus moments. I feel like we all have these kind of Ebenezers in our life. And that was the moment where it was like, look, Carrie, if you turn this car around, it's going to be a lot of hard work, but I'm going to be with you every step wow. of the way. Wow. Yeah. And, and you can experience the fully alive life. And I think I just began to realize that the fully alive life is not an absence of pain or the needing to do behaviors it really was the presence of God in my pain, wow. desiring to transform my heart, not behavior modify just to to be a good Christian or whatever. It was was much more deep, much more a tangible and, and satiated a deep longing that, that I had. I really like your emphasis on it's going to be hard work because I think so. I didn't grow up in in a Christian home, and so when I first started going to church. It seemed like everybody had it together. And if you say the right verse and if you say the right prayer and you go to the right Bible study, you're going to be happy and peaceful. And so I really like your emphasis on God does call us to that, but it's a journey. Yeah, it's a journey. And it's not a journey that gosh, I just don't want to live in a world where where the death of my mom is just somehow ends up being okay. Wow. I, yeah. I don't want yeah. yeah. to live in a world where the the molestation of a friend is just no big deal anymore. Like I, I don't I don't want to live in that world because that's not real. I want to live in a real world where a real God can hold my grief and my gratitude in the same breath. Wow. Wow. Those are the places that I want to live. That I think that's what a fully alive. So when I say the work is hard, some people go, Well, I'm too scared to dive into my story. And here's what I'd say. You're already living out your story. You're no matter what you do, you are not running from your story. You're not bypassing it. It is alive and it is living and it is affecting how you love and lead and listen. The, the, the invitation is, will you invite God into it rather than the narrative that you and I might have grown up in where it's just give it to God and then maybe his Jesus Jesus is going to fall on you and then you're going to just be okay. Like it doesn't work out that way, right? Like, But there's a deep invitation that the Lord goes, look, I want to be invited into the story. I want to tend to your heart because trauma, whether big or small, needs comfort and care for it to bypass through your body. 
And if it doesn't get that, it's lodged. So these places that have been really wounding for us, again, whether big or small, they need comfort and care from the Holy Spirit and from each other to be able to move them through our bodies so they're no longer dictating our actions. So yeah, the work is hard, but it's you're living a hard life right now. It's hard now. So the difference is you're actually going to turn and engage it and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to walk with you through it, not to bypass it or minimize it or eradicate it. We're going to feel all the feelings and we're going to allow God to tend to those. And it's there that hurt and hope can coexist and fear and faith can work together. I think that's a fully alive life. I think that's the abundance of what God is talking about. I am with you in it all. You know, I think too, remembering Jesus said, or I am gentle and humble Mm -hmm. in heart. And so remembering, yes, it's hard, but God doesn't like throw us in the deepest part of our souls right away. Like he walks us gently and lovingly, knowing what we can handle. Mm -hmm. And so you you speak about big hurts and little hurts. And I think a hurt that many experience that probably they don't recognize is just the hurt of not getting the love and the attention and the care that God desires when they were growing up. And so you shared how in your home of origin, how Mm -hmm. from the outside, everything looked really great. Mm-hmm. But yep. but your parents were really emotionally unavailable to you. Right. And how did that affect you going forward, your relationship with God? I mean, did that create mm-hmm. barriers there or, or how did that affect you? Well, it just made me confused. It was like, uh, why are we showing up to church on Sunday? My mom playing the egg shaker in the worship band, you know, because we were radical Christians, you know, with that egg shaker. And, and then, uh, and, and then my dad, you know, preaching a message and then us going home acting like I live as my mom upstairs in her room with a severe eating disorder and mental illness. So she's binging and purging. My dad is using ministry as this kind of scapegoat, if you will. And, and I was felt like I was going mad. Like, what's happening here, you know? And I couldn't find the connection between, does God just want us to perform for him? Is that is that the path? You know, I'm seven or five, you know, I'm trying to figure out really complex human emotions and human engagement through the lens of a seven-year-old brain that felt very confusing. And because there wasn't a place to be able to talk about that, my mom was not emotionally available. I would say my dad, it's my dad, I was his emotional carrier. Out. So he felt very present, but I became kind of the surrogate spouse, if you will, because my mom was not emotionally available. So I became the rescuer, the holder of my dad's very broken heart and, you know, intimacy and emotions have to go somewhere. So I became the emotional carrier of that. That's really heavy for a child. Yeah. And so many of us live in that. So many of us, our lives feel so confused because we're still so bound to that role of being an emotional carrier. And so in all of that, it made my relationship with God very distant. I believed in God. I never stopped believing in God. I always kind of had the sense I knew he was real. I, I believed in God. But I really, really thought that in order for him to love me well, I needed to do good. I needed to do good things. And I couldn't, I couldn't measure up. And so I just thought, well, that little girl that wanted to light up the world with delight and shine. Now I just wanted to burn the place down. My anger and my rage was just overwhelming because when you live in such confusion about life and what it means to be loved and have a good mommy and a good daddy, and that wasn't happening, that confusion turned to rage. 
and rage turned inward and through addiction and things like that. So yeah, really big disconnect and had no concept of God's invitation into my story. I, I only knew like, just, you know, do better. And I couldn't measure up. And gosh, I still fight that today. If I'm being, if I'm being really honest, that, that am I measuring up? You know, that's something that I still have to really fight through because it's such a core rooted thought process for me. And so really like, up. Oh, I don't have to go there. I I am good. I'm good in who I am. But those are those are very rooted things because they're very early on in my childhood became yeah. narratives for me. Yeah. Well, I'm just listening and and kind of picturing you as that little girl that not only are your needs going unmet mm-hmm. and and those are like when our needs are met, that's a that's a deep, deep, deep lasting wound. But then you're also basically put in a position where you're responsible for other people's needs, the adult yes. needs, which is that's yes. that's really traumatizing. And which is why I appreciate. So you talk about naming our needs to God. And I think that's really hard for a lot of people because in our world, we're taught that needs are bad. If you have needs, you're weak. And and if we if we grew up in a home where we're not nurtured and loved and and met with like this this care i think that distorts how we see like we might not even know we have needs do you think that well, that happens or yeah i think people um I, I think people have a hard time with two things one is harder than the other one is even naming what i feel that tends to be very difficult for some people because when we are not emotionally nurtured we aren't given an emotional language we kind of know some basics. I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm angry, whatever. We don't know those nuanced places like I feel trapped or confused or, you know, frustrated or scared, you know. So in that, they they can't name their feelings um, and then they can't name their needs. What we talk about in the book is how important it is to not just name your feeling. That is very important. It's first and foremost. I need to know what I feel. And all feelings, there's there, none of them are bad. They're not good. They just are. This is just what's true. We can bring all of that trueness to God in all of what we feel. But it is in naming the need that we begin to, we know this psychologically and we know this spiritually, that we actually begin to shift the neuron pathways in our brain. And we begin to shift our invitation with God to say, I feel this way and I really needed this or I really need this. It doesn't mean I'm needy, but we are humans. We are in need of. It's like saying, well, I don't want to be a needy person. Well, I got to eat. I got to drink. I got to sleep. These are needs that we have. And so we tend to our bodily needs so that we can live, but our emotional needs are just as vital to our human growth and healing is by identifying our need to our emotion. I felt confused what did I need? I needed someone to sit and give clarity to what was happening in my home. Clarity was very important. Help me, help me understand what's happening. That's what I really needed. And it was the journey of that need that God invited me into going, let me give you clarity. You're not crazy. This is what was happening in your home. It's true. You didn't make it up. And it's in that clarity that I started to go, okay. That was very painful. And when I say, okay, it was a lot of tears. Okay, but I'm not crazy. And it started to put the puzzle pieces together in my life when I started attaching the need to what I feel. When I just have a feeling without a need, I feel like I'm a dangling participle, if you will. I'm just kind of like out there like, okay, I know I have these needs, but I mean, I know I have these feelings, but the need grounds us. It begins to give us language around what's going on in our hearts and our souls and that language be able to connect us to God and then even to others. 
Yeah. Well, I, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that because just yesterday I was talking with my husband about how, so I was in a therapy session and my therapy is teaching me, my therapist teaching me, so what do you need to feel safe right now? So like, as I dig into my own story, so I, I just want to share that to our listener that that was, that's a shift in thinking for me as like we're driving around and if I'm feeling anxious to ask myself, what do I need to feel safe? And when I break it down, often it's not complex, right? The, right. the things that I need and they're not, they're not impossible to be met, but it's just, I wasn't even aware of it before. And I, I love your quote. So you said, I'm going to quote you, naming your needs before God and others will keep you soft and tender. I have to say, I do think that kind of is where some of the fear comes in being soft and tender, <laughs> but, right. but right. without fear, I think, but it will keep you close to the brokenhearted, close to Jesus and far from the self-reliance that leads to pride and bitterness. And I, I really loved how you how you explain that and and how it's helped you in your journey. Like in your book, you talk about ways that you tried to cope and to numb, and so and and how you found freedom from that. I thought that was really awesome. And one thing that you said that I have reminded myself as a ministry leader is you talked about we can only take others as deep as we are willing to go ourselves. And so I would love you really to what did that look like for you? I, I imagine that wasn't. That was like a call probably from God. You're like, I, God is calling me to do this. What was your first reaction? No, <laughs> I don't want to. Um, my first reaction was really, you know, out of desperation. I think there was a desperation to go. I'm either going to, I mean, for me, it was very li life or death. And, and that's very dramatic. My story happens to be very dramatic in that sense. But I think for many of us, the, the call is, we, we're starting to live a very numbed out gray experience. And in that, I, I think for me, it was very much this like, is this the life you want to keep living? Wow. Is this what you want to keep doing? And here's the good thing. I mean, here's the, whether you think it's kind or not, like God, God's not going to force you to live the life that he created you to live. You're actually going to have to turn Knock so the door opens, seek so that you can find. This is the invitation and you get to have a choice whether you engage it or not. And I think for me, it was like, well, I'm either going to live as live full or I'm going to die because I don't really want, I don't want this life that I have created. And, and I, and I think that that's for all of us. I, I think I, I'm kind of dramatically telling you what you might even feel in your body of like, I just am existing. You know, when you just said like, even that idea of being soft and tender, it just brings to mind this idea of like, yeah, there's a fear. Like you said, like, oh, that kind of feels like, ah, because soft and tender is exposing. It, it means that I, I'm going to have to let you see parts of me. And I've done really good in life of, of protecting that so that I can look like I have it together and look strong. And this is for so many of us. And yet we all, all, all of us, every human is desiring to be known and seen and loved. It's just been so painful through so many people, our experience with so many people. And so for me, the invitation was really like, Carrie, do you want to live the life that I have for you? And the answer was like, yes. How much is it going to hurt? And and really the whisper was, it will not hurt any more than what you've lived. 
Wow. Can you say that again? Say that. Yeah. Again. It, 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 the, the answer to the question was, you know, do I want to do this? Is it going to hurt? Really was Jesus saying, it's not going to hurt any more than what you've already lived. And that's where I was like, okay, well, it's 27 years because this happened, you know, this turning point was 20 in 27 years at 27 years old. It was really like, okay, this has been really, really painful. And he was right. It, it did hurt. It didn't hurt more than what I was already experiencing, whether you've experienced those big T traumas or even those slow paper cuts, a million paper cuts over time, they eat away at you. This life that I'm experiencing now, and I'm still, of course, on a journey, is so much more integrated and so much more grounded. And life is hard and holy all at the same time. I don't have to sever parts of me to exist. And that has been beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Well, I would love us to close with hearing your journey with with God. Where was he in the like in your healing journey? You've shared a bit that he, he kind of gave you assurance, but how did your intimacy with him increase as you accepted his invitation? Yeah, well, I'll give you a short example. I went and saw a movie and this movie just rocked my world. I had no idea what this movie was about. It's a star is born. I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's a what? I no idea that a star is born. I had no idea what that movie was about, but it's terrible. Don't go see it. It was so sad. <laughs> it's a sad, sad movie. <laughs> Don't it. Our, you know, your listeners are probably like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I went and saw this. Anyway, long story short, I was sitting. I, it just rocked me. I couldn't even drive. I'm sitting in my car. I'm sitting in the parking lot. And it, there was a story of suicide in there. I had no wow. idea. So it just, wow. you know, I triggered something in my story, obviously, because of my mom. And, you know, I've dealt with my mom's stuff. I'm so good. It's been years since that happened. And here I am sitting in my car, sobbing my eyes out, yelling at God, like, why didn't you let her live? Didn't and wow. I'm just like, and I'm thinking, then I feel shame because I'm mad at him. And then also because I'm like, I should be over this by now. You know, I mean, this has been several years. And it was about three hours. I'm sitting in the parking lot, sobbing my eyes out, just thinking like, I cannot believe I couldn't drive because I'm crying so hard. I'm exhausted. I finally go home. I go to bed and I wake up in the morning. And let me tell you, Jennifer, it was in that time of just like bleeding out crying. I woke up in the morning and it's not that it was okay that my mom was gone. It's not that, you know, it was okay, you know, that, that, that somehow my feelings about it were different, but there was a presence of peace. Wow. In the midst of that. And I woke up and I've been doing this work a really long time. And that was a moment that I realized, yeah, this this work works. Wow. When I invite God into the depths of my like first Kings chapter 19, Elijah kind of crying out, I've served you, I've been zealot for you, take my life. And he just lays down and sleeps and God gives him cake and water. You know, like that was <laughs> like that was that moment of like, he gets my humanity. He's never asked me to not be human. He made me human in the garden when it was all perfect. He didn't make me deity or angelic. He made me human. And so he's never asked me to not be human. I think it was in, that was like one of those like pivotal moments where I was like, this is why this work works because I'm allowed to invite God into all the parts of me. I'm allowed to yell. I'm allowed to scream. I'm allowed to cry. I'm allowed to be angry. He can handle it all. It's when I don't go to him, that's a problem. And when I isolate myself from others and from God that I that I just can believe whatever narrative comes at me. But it was in that moment that I realized this, this is actually what it means to be fully alive, fully alive to 
all of me, the pain and the purpose, the grief and the gratitude. It was like in that moment, I realized when I cry out depths of my heart, I met with cake and water. I met with peace. I met with goodness. I met with a God that says, hey, Carrie, I want you to know I cried first. I cried first when she died. I, I, I cry with you now. Like, I'm not asking you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and to have no fear. No, you're going to fear, but I'm going to meet you in the fear. I'm going to love you in it. And and I think it was that moment that I realized this is what it means to be fully alive, to be fully awakened to all the parts of me and not have to run or numb or eradicate or sever or ignore or minimize that I can bring all of who I am before the Lord, and He loves me in all of it. He heals me. He grows me, and He's pre- present with me. Ah, this I will sign up for. This Christianity, I will sign up for this, and I have not looked back. Wow. Well, that's so. And really, that's that's your book, free <laughs> and and fully alive, where you really. I mean, it's beautiful how you take the reader deep into themselves and really to experience God on a deeper level. And so just some of the, the, the ways that this book equips you, it helps you to ditch behavior modification strategies and focus on true heart transformation, stop chasing external achievements and instead experiencing deep internal change and to mm-hmm. silence. I think this is something we all need silence the inner critic and find the voice of truth through the word of God, through scripture, realizing God's love for you, really the depths of it, the purity of it, how unconditional and and vibrant it is, and recognizing that your past does not disqualify you for your purpose. In fact, Terry, I think you're an example. (laughs) Your past might uniquely qualify you for some of the most beautiful things God's calling you to do. Yes. Yes, girl. Yes. That's awesome. God blessing to just to your journey as you continue to find healing. And thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, it was my pleasure. Well, thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. Share it with your friends. And we have some discussion questions actually in our show notes. I encourage you to gather people around and just talk through those and see what happens. And until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Faith Over Fear is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.